0: It's great to be here, you guys. Happy New Year. It's really exciting. I, I, we were in Virginia the past uh, two weeks. It was frigid cold, and um, we were going to go to Boston. Believe it or not, on Wednesday, we had a flight, just Shannon and I, go, to go to Boston. We're in the airport, and the plane actually breaks down. So it was a miracle, because we, we'd still be in Boston right now, frozen. So we, I wouldn't be able to preach today or whatever, so it was a miracle. But um, I'm good to be back. I'm glad, I'm glad to be back. Jags bills today. Jags. Though I was born and raised in Buffalo, New York, <laughs> the most tragic football team in history, the Buffalo Bills. Undoubtedly, <laughs> four Super Bowl in a row. I grew up watching them lose four in a row. So today, hard to, for the but I will, I will just because you're here. Okay. Well, um, the theme that we've talked about, kind of that's been on the heart of a lot, of, a lot of us as we prayed for this year, this coming year, has been this idea of. ...moving into a, a season, into a, a time of overflow... ...and that, that our, our movement as a church... ...into this season of pouring out, of loving outside of ourselves... ...that it's a theme of overflow. And so I want to put that in the context of families... ...in the context of ministry to children, to teachers to adults, young adults... ...and, and my heart really is burdened for this. I feel like I've, I've had this message for a while... And, um, and this is the time we're going we're gonna to do it to kick off, the, kick off the New Year. So I, w- I want to pray and, uh, and ask the Lord to come and speak about this to us. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this morning's worship. I thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness, your goodness. I pray, Lord, you'd awaken us, Lord, to your love for kids and for young people. But most of all, Lord, just that you'd awaken us to the purposes that you've created us for. I pray you would just break off, Lord, any misconceptions, any dullness. I pray you would invite us into this season, Lord, of overflow. In Jesus' name, amen. So, in Mark 8, Jesus has one of the most challenging teachings of his entire ministry. And a lot of people left after this teaching, honestly. And we're going to read it today. It's, it's from Mark 8 34. <clears throat> And it says this, Jesus called to him a crowd with his disciples. And he said to them, If anyone would come after me or be my follower, let him deny himself, herself, take up his cross, and follow me. Whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever would lose his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world but forfeit his soul? What can a man give in return for his soul? So he called a crowd to himself, and he says, If you truly want to be a follower, if you want to be my disciple, then you must deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. So this is not just about self-denial. Like, it's easy to think of Jesus saying, just deny yourself. Just deny yourself. Like, there's this idea that if it's something, if something is there good that you could do, just deny it. I want to get, get up this morning, I'm going to work out. Deny it. I'm going, some, I'm going to have I really love cookies. Deny them. You know, I really love to, you know, go to the movies. Deny it. That, that's not what he's saying. He's not just saying, like, denial for denial's sake. He, he's, he's, he's pointing out that in all of us, we are born with a nature that is self-serving, that is self-centered, and there will be desires that arise in us, naturally, out of that place of brokenness, out of that place of selfishness, that will require us, as Christians, to be denied. But not just denied for denial's sake again. But he, he, he compares that, he, he, he contrasts that with taking up your cross. Not, not just any cross, but your cross. What does he mean by that? Like, the cross was an instrument of death. It was an instrument of... of, of Execution. It was the electric chair of the day. So he's saying, to be my follower, to truly follow me, there is a dying to self that happens and a taking up of what God has for you. This is important to understand. He wasn't just saying, die to yourself. He was saying, he was foreshadowing his own death. He was, in a sense, prophesying about, I'm about to go to a cross. I don't want to go to the cross. The night before he died, he said, Lord, if there's any other way for this not to happen to me, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done. So the taking up the cross for each one of us is a taking up of the will of the Father over and against the will of the self. It's a taking up of the will God has for you specifically in a certain situation over and against your own selfish will. And sometimes they are the same. Sometimes you have a good desire and God says amen to that. But sometimes it's not. And so we take up the cross. We say, Lord, today I take up my cross daily. And I say, Lord, I want what you want today. Over and against what, what I want. If, if we lived like this, how radical would it be to truly live self-denying lives? self um, to, to, to put another person before us. So the description of Jesus in Ephesians is, is in Philippians is amazing. It says this in Philippians 2. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, he was God, he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. So we're called to be disciples. We're called to be followers of Christ. We're called to be servants. It happens through the denial of self, right? It happens through, the, part of that happens through the denial of self. But there's something radical that happens in, when we look at Christ, when we spend time with Christ, something transforms us, that we, we go from just serving to becoming a servant. There's a dramatic difference. The world loves serving and volunteering and giving and nonprofit stuff and caring about this and caring about that. The world is made up of people who are serving, but they're not servants. There's a transformation in our hearts when we follow Christ. We become servants. That we get up in the morning and, and we, maybe we say, Today, how could I fulfill the desires of my spouse over my own? How could I love my coworker that I don't get along with? over and against my own desires? How can I put my children's needs, my children's dreams, ahead of my own? Like a servant thinks and is fulfilled by seeing others' dreams come true. It's totally counterintuitive, countercultural. It doesn't make any sense in America. It doesn't make any sense. It's, it's, it's crazy sounding that I could get up in the morning and I would say, I'm, I'm living to fulfill someone else's dreams. Like, to fulfill someone else's hopes. To enable my spouse or my friends to walk in their destiny. When we live like that, so much is broken off. When we live self-denying lives, the spirit of offense is broken off. Because we say, how can I be offended? I'm living for something else, greater than myself. Self-pity is broken off. Because we don't, oh, I didn't get this, I didn't deserve that. Oh, I didn't get all these things. Self-pity is broken off when we live lives... ...of self-denial. Entitlement. Oh man, the spirit of entitlement. I deserve this. I should have gotten that. They got that. I didn't. I don't, I'm not as wealthy as them. I'm not as successful. The entitlement's broken off when we live self-denying lives... ...and taking up the cross. Because we walk in the will of God. There's no other greater place to, to, to experience life... Than, ...than the will of God. Recently, as an example... We, uh, ...we sold our house... ...and we bought a new house... ...and we made the money... We Sold it at the you know high, bought it at the low, and all that kind of stuff. So we bought a fixed upper, and <laughs> so that was like two months ago, and I have lost my salvation five times. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, but but seriously, it has consumed me. And fixing up this house, a new kitchen, new laundry, new deck, new new everything. Thinking in my in my. In my mind, thinking that when this is done, I'm going to have such satisfaction. I'm going to have such joy, and it's pretty much done, and I don't have that much satisfaction. (laughs) I mean, there is a sense of like, wow, it's done. But maybe if we would have left, you know, and come back six months later, like fix her up or something, come, oh, it's amazing. I don't, yeah, it's great. But I did some of this stuff. I know the mistakes I made. Like, I know the things that were done wrong. I see the errors. I see the chips in the cabinet, the wrong appliances that I bought. I see the problems. With the de- I see all these things. I'm like, I'm not satisfied. And whatever, whatever was in my heart thinking that once I get this, I'll, re- I'll feel that, it, it just hasn't happened. And that's the elusiveness. When we live for those things, not not there's anything wrong with renovating a house, but did, I, did we seek the Lord? I think we did. But do we even ask the question? Like, Lord, we made some money. Do we spend this money now on on a new house and fixing it up and all this stuff? Like, there's orphans in Africa. There's missionaries in the Muslim world. Did I even ask? Lord, this money could change a missionary's life or an orphanage's existence or whatever. Are we even asking, Lord, how do I take up the cross today with what you just gave me yesterday? With the blessings and the talents and the resources that you just gave me the day before, the month before. I mean, I have never spent so much money in my life. It's like every day, there's this money's pouring out, fixing this. You know, we need, we need that, we need more stuff, we need more... And it's, it's, been, it's been convicting. Ephesians 4 says, You were taught, with regard of your former self, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life. It's corrupt through deceitful desires. The deceitful desire is that we believe we'll have life when we get that promotion. We believe we'll have life when we get that relationship that we've wanted. We believe we'll have life when we fill the blank in. But life is found in the will of God. Life is found in walking in his will. That we would deny and take up each day. Deny and take up. What is your desire, Father, today? What is your heart today, Lord? Jesus became a servant to show us what it looks like. I've been preparing a lot for this this teaching on Wednesday that we're starting for parenting. I, I really encourage any parents to come to this I'm really excited about it for four weeks we're going to be talking about parenting and the challenges of parenting and dialoguing about it. I read this book called Growing Young and and this book documents over four years 250 churches that have have growth not growth necessarily numerically but growth spiritually with with young people in their church, with ministries in their church, with reaching the lost, with missions, whatever it may be. And these churches, they, they, they follow them, and they, and they look at the common themes and visions and desires that these churches have. And here are a few of them that really hit me in, in relation to family ministries, in relation to, to our families. Growing young churches they are not necessarily, they're not necessarily young churches, but they're churches that care about the next generation. That's huge, folks. Like, I feel like I need need to say that from the outset. Like, I should have said, like, we're we're in a battle with our children. Like, there's a battle. The world and the enemy want to destroy our children. We've never experienced this kind of, like, I I had a vision a few weeks ago, or a few months ago. Like, I was praying, and I saw, like, nuclear bombs being shot at our families, at our children. Like, these bombs of, like... Internet stuff and social media and temptations and deception about sexuality and all the crap that our, our world is shooting at our kids, these nuclear bombs. And we were standing there with slingshots going, bing, 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 as if those little weapons that we have are effective against the nuclear bombs of our culture and deception of, the, of demonic proportions. And... I feel like as a church, we need to be aware of this. We need to step into a place of prayer, intercession for our families, and we need to do something about it. We need to do something about it, folks. Like, our kids need us. There's no more important thing than the next generation. In here on Sunday mornings is really about you. It's about me. We're receiving good teaching. We're receiving amazing worship. We're receiving prayer at the end. It's about you being filled up and you being healed up and you being... But there's another world over there. This is in the world during the week. And our kids, our kids, your kids, our teenagers, our middle school kids, our elementary kids, our nursery kids, they have a destiny. And at at their dedication, we all said together, I dedicate myself to loving these kids, right? Every time we have dedications, we say it out as a church, I commit to loving these kids. So growing young churches are sensitive to the different age groups in the church and their needs, they recognize problems young people face in their day lives and reach out to them. They seek out young people to give them responsibilities in making important decisions for the church. They give them leadership roles. Growing young churches has experienced leaders who are discipling younger leaders. They have invested resources and programming for young people and families. They consist of adults who are investing in young people. They have a thoughtful approach to teenage ministry. They have enough volunteers serving in their ministries on Sundays. They respond actively to global crises and local crises. They spend a generous amount of resources caring for those outside the church. They have a reputation for caring in the community. And if, they were to, if the church were no longer to exist, the community would notice it. Growing young churches. These churches are made up of people who are all different ages. And I think we do some of those things amazingly well, and some of those things maybe not so much. But, but my my challenge today, my, my call to us today, is that in relation to families, that we as a church would see a need and we would meet a need. So, in the idea of serving, this is what we're this is what it's like. Here's a sponge. This is came from my garage, it's three years old. This nasty sponge, okay? We as Christians are sponges. We are in need to be filled up and to be poured out. Filled up and poured out. If we simply pour out and serve and give and pour, we become dry and empty. And the sponge is, is worthless because it's dry. There's nothing, it, it can't really give anything. It doesn't, doesn't function. If the sponge is filled up, it can't receive any more water. Because it's it's so full of itself, it's so full of the water, it can't receive new water. So if I pour on new water, the sponge will just simply, it'll just roll off the sponge. And in a few days, this, this water becomes stale, and it starts to stink, actually. And so when a Christian simply becomes a consumer of being filled and filled and filled with never pouring out, never realizing they were intended to pour out, they think they're empty, but they're actually full of dead water. Simple illustration, but I, the, Lord, the Lord put that on my heart a while back. Like, I feel like we are intended not to be burned out, but not also to be filled up to where we can't receive anymore. And we think we're empty. We're like, I, I need to be fed more. I need to be, I need more of this, I need more of that, more of that. But you're, you're maybe full because you're not serving. You're not giving. You were intended to use the gifts and talents that God has given you. You were created to be poured out. And some of you, I believe will become, you're waiting for that, like, I, I need to be more healthy and more free and more and more emotionally stable before I do this. And sometimes the freedom and the healing comes in the serving. It comes in the giving. I mean, I, there was a time when I was messed up with all kinds of crap and addictions and, and stuff like that, and I, and I, I was, like, involved in this ministry, and they asked me out of nowhere to preach the gospel at one of their open-air events in, in the middle of the city center to preach. And I was like, you're kidding, right? Like, I, I'm not healthy enough. I mean, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not right enough. They said, no, we feel that you're supposed to preach this weekend on Friday night in the middle of the city center with all these, you know, people walking by. Preach open air the gospel. And I was like, I, I couldn't believe it. I thought, I, I can't believe they would ask me this, but I can't believe I'm about to do this. But in in my stepping out and receiving that word and trusting that they, they, they heard from the Lord. I felt like the Lord brought such healing that I was restored. There was a spirit of disqualification in, in my heart. And some of us feel that. We feel isolation. And we're, and we're like, I'm waiting for something. I'm waiting for that invitation to the city group I never got. I'm, I'm waiting for that invitation to this. And it may be the Lord just wants you to step out. He said, go and make disciples. He didn't say, if you're healthy, make disciples. If you're an evangelist, make disciples. If you're a pastor, make disciples. If you're, he said, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. Go and reproduce yourselves in the lives of someone younger than you. In the lives of someone other than you. And, man, I I feel like the vision that I have that we've been praying about, like this is so huge. Like the Lord loves, he loves our children so much. Like he loves your children. Like his heart breaks for our families and the war that they're in. And he's calling us to lay down things that we may be entitled to have to meet the needs of our kids. We have like 50 kids in, in high school middle school, and we have like five leaders, six leaders. I mean, that's, that's just a fact. There are, there are some of these churches I read about that had 50 kids and 50 leaders because they cared so much about discipleship. They said every kid's going to have one adult that pairs with them and mentors them. Could you imagine that? Every parent in this room wants their child to have a a mature believer speaking into their lives. Isn't that true? What parent doesn't want that? And we're outsourcing it to other ministries. We're sending our kids to other youth groups sometimes, other ministries, because it's not happening. I had a father come to me just a few months ago. We were having a meeting for Kids Crew. And he said, my daughter doesn't want to come to Kids Crew anymore. She's in fourth grade, and she doesn't want to come anymore because... She doesn't connect because she has one leader and then that leader comes back six weeks later because that's the rotation. You know, we, the policy is or the, the, the procedure is if you're a parent we ask you to serve every six weeks because it's giving back. Some, 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 some parents are watching your kids and you're watching other, other kids. So that's, that's, the, that's the, the general idea of, of our child care. So if you're giving, whatever, every six weeks. And so the, lead, so the father said, my daughter has a different leader every week. So she may share something and the next week, the leader has no idea. And so she doesn't even see that same leader for six, other, six weeks later. And he said, Brian, and this is a this is uh, smart guy. And he's like, I respect him a lot. He said, Brian, if there's one thing I'd focus on this year, Brian, 2018, one thing, address this issue of relationships with kids. All the stuff we've done over there, putting the gym over there and making the playground and putting TVs in rooms getting teachers for all the kids and having rotations of, of teaching – All great stuff. But he said, if there's one thing you could focus on, it's relationships. Because that is where transformation happens. That is when you come to Christ. If you came to to Christ, it's probably because someone cared about you. Or several people cared about you. It wasn't at a Billy Graham crusade. Maybe it was. But for most of us, it's from relationships. That's what it is. And so he said, this paradigm, I can't email this out and say, this is what we need. I can't text this out. I have to say this in front of you. This is what we need. We need relationships with adults and kids. Adults and teenagers. We need relational ministry. Life on life. And so what this looks like, I'm just going just to throw it out there. this: What this could look like in kids' group, for example, is two of us, me and, let's say, Brian Baggs, me and Brian Bags decide we're going we're gonna to love the first grade boys. I don't know why we do that, but let's say we do that. <laughs> first grade boys. We're going to be in there every week for the whole semester. The way it would work is one week, he's in there. Next week, I'm in there. One week, he's in there. So those kids have those two leaders the entire time. But we'd be in here for, we'd be in here for worship every time. Every week, we'd still be in here for worship. We wouldn't miss worship. We'd miss the talk. We'd be, we'd be, we'd be and we're here for worship, and there'd be other leaders over there kind of watching the kids as they're, in, as they're in the gym playing. But relationships would begin to form. Me and Brian, hanging out with first grade boys, hanging out, talking to them. They share something. We tell each other. We pray for them. Maybe after church, we go to see a movie one time, take them to the beach, whatever. Real life on life stuff begins to happen over consistency, over time together. It's a whole new paradigm. I would love to see this happen in every, from from high school down through through, uh, two-year-olds, honestly. The challenge of our church is we have one service. So that's been the challenge, we have one service. And so you can't go every week, you'd never be in church. But we can create something where this is a compromise. So I'd ask you to pray about this, and think about this. It's a whole new paradigm, and I believe the Lord's put it on my heart for this year, that we would begin to address the issue of relationships. That that father would be able to say by, by May that my daughter has connected with, a, with an adult leader. And, and, he, and she texts her and she calls her sometimes and she says, I'm praying for you. How did your test go this week? How did your thing with your, your sporting event go? That's where life and that's where transformation takes place is through relationships. But it takes a denial of self because you're entitled to be in here. You're entitled to get filled up. So maybe the Lord would say, love first grade boys. (laughs) We are a family. That's that's the reality. We are a family. And every need in this room should be met by this room. I really believe that. I I believe that the calling that I have, if if I walk it out, it will bless others. And the calling that you have, when you walk it out, it will bless others. And when you cease to walk in the calling of God, that affects some other's needs not being met. It's a real thing, folks. When I choose, when I choose not to do something I know the Lord that was put on my heart to do, it's going to have a, a specific effect on somebody else. So that parent has to send their kid somewhere else or do something else. Does that make sense? Like the, Like, we're a body. So, every need is met within this body so relational ministry Matthew 28 again Jesus said go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the father and son and holy spirit let's stand <clears throat> Actually, let's let, let's let's do something else. Let's, 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 sit, let's sit back down. I want to, I want to do some I want to do something a little bit maybe uncomfortable. Today, our our teenagers are in here. Today, our teenagers are in here. Middle school, high schoolers are in here, and I I want to just pray for you guys. You've heard this talk about relationships and adults, and you've kind of been like wondering what is he talking about. Like, I don't need any friends. Um, but I but I, I truly want to just. I want to just stand in the gap for our teenagers right now and our families. So this is what I want to do. This is going to be a little bit weird, but it's okay. I want you guys, if you're a teenager, that means if you're 13 or older, stand up, please. And I want to just pray for you. I want to just pray for where you are in life, high school, middle school. I want to pray for you guys. I know it's a little bit weird, but I want to, if you're around them, just put your hand on them. Just kind of like in a, in a nice way, not like a weird way. You know, this is like a weird thing here. Yeah, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade, tenth grade, eleventh grade, twelfth grade, thirteenth grade. Okay. I want you guys to know that you guys are so treasured by the Lord. His heart for you is so real. He has a destiny for you and a plan for you. So, Father, we just pray for these young friends, God, in our midst that have destinies, that we have the opportunity and the privilege of loving. We pray, Lord, that you, God, you you can change a dull heart in an instant, Lord. You can change a bored spirit in an instant, Lord. And I pray, Lord... In the name of Jesus, that you would encounter these young ones in a powerful way. That they'd be wrecked, Lord. They'd be wrecked for you, God. I pray, Lord, that they would encounter your spirit in a way that has been unmistakable, Lord. And that they would say... I am different because of the Holy Spirit's influence in my life. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you, Lord, would visit them in the night. And you would call them to their true destiny. We say that you are victorious over sin. You're victorious over the world. In Jesus' name, we declare your destiny in this moment. I pray, Father, that you would break off the spirit of the age, Father, the self-indulgent spirit of the age, over these young ones. I pray, Lord, that you would move in power, Lord, you'd give them a heart of obedience, a heart for love, a heart for your word, a heart for your spirit. And, Lord, I pray you'd awaken in them, God, life in Jesus' name. I pray for life in every single young one, Father. Awaken them, Lord God. Break off dullness, God. Break off boredom, God. Break off the spirit of the age in Jesus' name. I I pray, Lord, that your love would reign in them right now. In Jesus' name. Just go ahead and pray out loud. Pray in the spirit if you want.